Pick, Pick your, your poison. poison. <laughs>
on the SMU 10-yard line and turned it over on downs. So that was a chance to tie it up there. So now SMU first down at their own 16-yard line, I guess, right now. Uh, so, yeah, up by a touchdown. Do you remember – do you remember um, – well, of course you remember this guy. But let me give you let – me, let me backtrack a little bit. Do you remember who the most famous football alumni is from SMU? He played running back for the Los Angeles Rams. Falk? Or no, Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this oh, is before St. Louis. Oh, what's his name? Um, Eric Dickerson. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Eric Dickerson. Remember Eric – the member the, the name Eric Dickerson, but – in the early 80s, they had a, a, a running back duo. Dickerson and his running mate was a guy by the name of Craig James. And both of them ended up being, obviously, first-round draft picks. And and uh, James went to the New England Patriots. And third overall in that year's draft, 81 or 82, the L.A. Rams took Eric Dickerson. But it was right after those guys left that US, or excuse me, SMU was given. And the only team that has ever faced this was they were given a two-year death penalty. They were they had to cease football operations for two years. They had to shut down the program. Everybody had to transfer that still had eligibility. If you wanted to stay at US uh, SMU and complete your education, you could do that, but obviously you couldn't play football because the team was shut down because they were so outrageous in what they were doing in regard to paying players and, and doing all this other stuff. And there's a lot of belief, and I'm one of the people that, that are in this belief, that SMU has never recovered. For the simple fact that up until that time, and because they were paying players, they were, first of all, you got to know a little background. SMU is a very private, very expensive college to go to. It's like Northwestern. It's like Stanford in regard to how private it is and the academic requirements to get into it. So it's not like a public institution like a Wisconsin or a UCLA or that kind of stuff. It is unbelievably hard to get into SMU. And the only way that US SMU, why do I keep saying fucking SMU, the only way you could get into SMU uh, and contribute, I believe, because I had a friend, very good friend of mine in Las Vegas that played with Dickerson and James at SMU. And he got a little bit of kickback too. And he was a defensive back for the SMU Mustangs in the day under Ron Meyer and then Bobby Collins. But the only way that they can be competitive at US at SMU was because they would pay players. Because the good players couldn't get into SMU. They weren't smart enough. And... Um, I don't think, because, I mean, you shut the whole program down. You can't recruit. You can't do anything. I don't think SMU has ever has ever recovered, because prior to the death penalty in the 80s, SMU was a top 10 team every year. Wow. And Southern Methodist, that sounds religious. And they were it's doing, a private. And yeah. they were doing bad things. Bad things, bud. Absolutely. Kind of hypocritical there, maybe. You betcha. Well, but remember, football is God. In the state of Texas. In the state of Texas, it's football, God, and family. And as long as the football is good, we'll sacrifice the other two. Wow. I lived there for five years. I know of this. I remember, this is the honest to God truth, one of the best high school programs when I was living in San Antonio, Texas, was a program called, it was in Converse, Texas, which is a suburb of San Antonio. And they had a football program called Converse Judson High School. And I will never forget this for the life, for the, as long as I live. I mean, I'm going to lose my marbles here. I'm already starting to lose them. But I can tell you, I had never seen 40,000 people spend a Friday night 
at a high school football game yeah, that's crazy. until I saw 40,000 people at a Converse Judson high school football game in the late 80s in Converse, Texas. And that is unbelievable. In Texas, Friday night is high school. Saturday night is college. Sunday, obviously, National Football Day. Yeah, I mean, where I'm from, it's hard to get 40 people to a high school game. Never right. 40,000. Yeah, anyway. 40,000 yeah. for a high school yeah. football game. Uh, last active game. Uh, so even though it's number eight Auburn at number 17 Texas A&M, Texas A&M is at home and did go into the game as a four and a half point mm-hmm. favorite. Yeah. Uh, fourth quarter just started with Auburn up 21 to three. That's huge, man. And that's te- huge. Texas A&M did just get a touchdown 30 seconds into the fourth quarter. So now it's kicking back. So it's Auburn ball up 21 10 with the ball and uh, almost a whole quarter to go. Well, as we mentioned in one of our earlier episodes, um, Texas A&M University and the University of Texas at Austin are the two most profitable college football institutions in the NC2A uh, as we speak here in 2019. And that is there is a reason why Texas A&M is paying Jimbo Fisher $77 million over the next seven years. There's a reason that Tom Herman has taken the job at the University of Texas. It's a pressure cooker. They're expected to win. And Texas A&M has already lost this year to Clemson. And if they go on and lose this game to Auburn, they will be officially out. There's a lot of belief in regard to the four-team college football playoffs that you still have a chance if you have one loss. But if you have a second loss, you're automatically eliminated. And, excuse me, to be eliminated, as Texas A&M will be if they lose this game, to be eliminated after week three, and you're paying your coach $11 million a year, that's not going to sit well in College Station, Texas. So very interesting to see what happens there. I thought Texas A&M would win this game for for two simple reasons. A, they're at home, and B, yes, Auburn is undefeated, but I didn't think that they were that impressive in in their opening week win against a ranked Oregon team. I thought Oregon should have won that game, but um, Auburn obviously is is uh, playing better than than I thought they would, and I think this could be the death knell for Texas A and M in regard to the 2019 season. Because again, with a second loss, they're out of any consideration for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay, JD Landis at J underscore D underscore Landis. People who say they love people have met too few people. Um. I may not be the right person to bring this up with this day and age because I have been through an awful lot the last couple of years and you really, really, really get to know who your true friends are. I'm sitting by someone that has stood by me the last three years and and, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Um, But you really find out who your friends are and... um, I don't have many friends, and I don't have many friends by choice because I've been burned by so many previously that I don't trust a lot of people. And um, I'd rather have one or two good friends that I can trust than a whole bunch of shitload of people that I claim to be acquaintances. I guess that's the way I'm looking at that. And, and uh, you know, um, I'm probably not the best person to talk about that because, you know, over the years... I have been burned by a lot of people by putting too much trust into them, and it's come back to bite me in the ass, for sure. That's fair. Okay, I I don't know if you've ever known this. You're not on Twitter, so probably not, but Don Cherry once in a while likes to go on Twitter and talk about the Blue Jays. Really? Yeah, so Don Cherry, the real Don Cherry, his official account at Coach's Corner, 
It must be tough on Blue Jays pitcher Jacob Wakes back to watch Vlad Guerrero boot another easy out to third. He wasn't given an error, but Gardner reaches base, and two batters later, Tyler Wade hits a two-run homer. Now Wakes back is down 3-2 on an obvious out. Vlad can hit, there's no doubt about that, but he is no third baseman. He's obviously a first baseman. He is made for first base. I don't agree with that. Um, I love Don Cherry, don't get me wrong. Have great respect for him. Have been one of the few people in this world that has actually been able to meet and talk to Don Cherry. If Mr. Cherry was here right now, I'd tell him he's crazy. And the reason is, is that this young man is 21 years old. At this year, at this time last year, he was playing at Double A New Haven. Um, I think, you know what? I watch a lot of, well, not a lot, but the second half of the season, I've, I've surprisingly watched more Blue Jays baseball than I thought because of the simple fact that the young core of talent that the Toronto Blue Jays have accumulated is very impressive. And they all have major league bloodlines in regard to their dad. I mean, Kevin Biggio, his dad is Hall of Famer Craig Biggio. Dante Bichette, who's playing unbelievable at shortstop. Um, his dad is, is, uh, is uh, what's Bichette's dad's name? Um, but anyway, he was a former all-star, never a Hall of Famer, but he was a former all-star player for both the Colorado Rockies, Milwaukee Brewers, and the Boston Red Sox at one time. Dante Bichette is what his name was. Um, Vlad Guerrero, his dad, obviously is a Hall of Famer. The bloodlines are there, but what are you expecting from a 20-year-old, 21-year-old kid? Um, they're going to make mistakes. I've also seen Vlad Guerrero make some plays that are un freaking believable from third base the only thing that i would say that vladi guerrero's got to watch out if he wants to continue to play third base and i was listening to the broadcast the other night where buck martinez was talking about this he thinks that vladi guerrero needs to play an everyday position instead of becoming a full-time dh he can hit we no question about that but i think when you become a full-time dh it takes away some of your concentration and some of your love of the game when you have to sit there and wait for your next at-bat. I think that is kind of troublesome as well. Um, the one thing I would say in regard to Vladimir Guerrero is this. He reminds me a little bit of what could happen, and I've said this a million times, about Zion Williamson in the NBA. He's got to watch the weight. He is getting a little hefty there, and it's going to be tough for him to move at third base at the hot corner if he's carrying an extra 20 pounds because the reflexes that you have to have to play at the major league level at the hot corner at third base have got to be really instinctive. And I'm not saying he doesn't have the instincts, but if he's got that extra 20 pounds of fat, it's going to be hard to move on those instincts and get to some of those balls. So I want to see Vladimir Guerrero stay at third base because ultimately I think if he has a position that he can call his own, that's ultimately always going to help his batting eye as well because he stays engaged in the game and his concent concentration level, in my opinion, stays up. Okay, Neil Brennan at Neil Brennan. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times. Man, you fucking really love blackface, huh? <laughs> He's a comedian, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. I heard him on my satellite radio feed, my Sirius satellite radio feed, and there's a free plug for Sirius, even though you did employ Ron Barr, so eh, maybe not that big a fan. Um, you know, <laughs> I have heard Neil Brennan, now that Chris mentioned the name, and, and he is a very funny man. Uh, but yeah, fool me once, yeah, fool me twice, yeah. You fool somebody five times, you're an idiot. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Trudeau. Anyway. <laughs> what a guy. Anyway. Have you seen all that stuff with Trudeau and the blackface and all that? Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have. What a guy. I think, um, I think that this October, coming up October 21st, federal election in the great country of Canada for Western Canadians, anybody west of Ontario, this is the most important election coming up maybe in the history of this great country. I really, truly believe that. People in Western Canada are suffering. And I think that uh, what happens on October 21st is going to really be a a momentous occasion. And I hope that people take the time to go out and and, uh, uh, file a ballot. The only way that you can make change is to do something about it. And, And the only way we can do it as everyday citizens is get out and vote and get out and vote for change. Um, and I just, again, I think that this is going to be one of the most unbelievably important elections ever coming up on October 21st in this country. Yeah, I don't know if people out east realize how bad it's going to be for um, for national unity if they, if they try to put Trudeau in again because he's just so, you know, without any redeemable qualities or any qualifications or anything else, any competence, nothing. And so I don't know if they realize, like, you know, they have more population, so they get to kind of, you know, they're. To, I've always considered Eastern Canada a completely different country. Well, they, and you know, it's funny you say that. In the 23 years I've been here, um, I'm really on your on your bandwagon yeah. in, in regard to this. 65% of the voting, just so you know, 65% of the voting population in this country resides in Eastern Canada. So that's Ontario, Quebec, and the Maritimes. 65%. So us here in Western Canada are facing an uphill battle. There's no question about it. But I can tell you that there has been a lot of talk about uh, making change and even to the point of trying to secede from Canada in Western Canada. And that would be catastrophic. But something's got to change here in Western Canada. We should all, as I always like to say, we should all be singing from the same songbook. The only problem is the songbook has different chapters in Eastern Canada than it does in Western Canada. And that's for damn sure. Oh, it's just a completely different country. It's like a out shit here. show is what it is. Yeah, out there, like yeah, and so I mean, I don't know if they realize out there that just you know, once like, you know, once in a while we get to have a conservative uh, in power, and that's great, and that reflects our values out here a lot better because we have a clue what money is and how it works. And so, and what hard work is. And then, you know, they they most of the time foist liberal bullshit on us. And then we try to, once in a while, get some conservatives. And then, you know, after we get conservatives for a while, we're like, okay, you can have liberals for a while. It's like, okay. But if you push it too much with just an absolute worthless piece of shit like Justin Trudeau, uh, it, it's going to cause problems. And no I question. And, I, you know, I think once in a while they just... Out east, they get lucky. Like they kind of say, "Oh, we'll try a conservative for something different for a bit." Uh, I don't know if they realize how close they are to really doing damage to national unity. Or because if Trudeau gets in again, it's going to be really bad. Uh, it's going to be unity. anarchy here, and yeah. um, a lot yeah. of resentment. A lot of resentment. From, from yeah, there. that's a great word. There's yeah, going to yeah. be a lot of resentment if Justin Trudeau is prime minister on October twenty second. Yeah. So. Okay, Jeremy Ronick at Jeremy underscore Ronick. NHL contracts today just blow my mind. I remember when you actually had to earn high salaries. Now they're just given and hope they work out. Crazy. Doesn't that sound a little sour grapes to you? 
<laughs> well, it's probably not as bad as Tim Tebow, but... Um... Well, try, true enough. But, you know, Jeremy Roenick probably is financially secure for the rest of his life. Well, I would be. think so. He better be. <laughs> unless he went on a big shopping spree. But I, I just think that's a little sour grapes. Um, you know, I'm fighting that every day, JR, in regard to none of us. Chris, myself, um, Martina, Chris's lovely wife, my lovely wife, Judy, none of us can control when our birth date was. And it's really difficult for me to feel sorry for Jeremy Roenick in regard that, well, salaries are a lot bigger now than they were. Well, yeah. How would you like to be 55 and get told by a company that I wish you had less life experience? Hey, JR, go fuck yourself. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, first of all, I gotta I gotta say this oh, too. Yeah. After you get done screwing yourself, Ronick, consider this: you're lucky to have a network analyst job in the United States, and you are lucky to get the opportunity that less than three percent of the general population ever get, and that's to play a kid's sport on a professional level. So again, Jr., go fuck yourself. <laughs> Am I bitter? No, no, it sounds no, good. I'm a little bitter. I'm a little bitter. Uh, so some LA news. So this is Ian Rapper at Rap Sheet. Uh, the new Rams and Chargers Stadium will be named SoFi Stadium. In, yes. In a 20-year agreement. Yes. Uh, so I had to look up what this thing is. So it's it's weird. It's a it's a it's a privately funded hedge fund or something that Correct. started like eight years ago. And like for uh for uh what you would expect to be a smaller company or start out just basically uh working with student loan debt eight years ago and now they're able to make a 20-year agreement with the most expensive uh stadium in the nfl a lot of money in student loan debt uh oh, yeah I, no wonder it keeps uh no wonder it it's not going away eh? well you remember you've you've heard of fannie mae and and uh freddie mac freddie mac yeah those are the guys those are the guys that i owed money to way back when and uh those two are still prevalent today. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you'll see a lot of, especially now, with this new agreement with the the uh, naming rights to the new L.A. Rams, L.A. Chargers Stadium, or Gronky Palace, if you will, um, you're going to see a lot of these SoFi commercials on NFL broadcasts coming to you soon. Yeah, and speaking of uh, Tim Tebow, uh, just two quick tw- tweets about him here. Onion Sports Network at Onion Sports. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this last week. Scouts highly doubtful Tim Tebow will ever make it to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was funny. But also, I liked uh, so Zach Banner uh, at ZB NFL or ZB NFL, I guess, uh, in American speak. Uh, so he's listing his expenses here scholarship check, 1600 bucks. Rent for a 600 square foot apartment in South Central LA, 1250. Uh-huh. Utilities, 200 bucks on a good month. Phone bill, groceries, gas, etc. Tim Tebow does not represent all of us past, present, future players. He represents the kids whose families could send him cash. Couldn't agree more. And um, I just don't know why Tim Tebow would want to take on the challenge of taking on college athletes that are living day to day. And again, people do not go to Michigan Stadium to watch Jim Harbaugh. They don't go to Ohio State to watch Ryan Day, and they certainly don't fill Camp Randall Stadium in Madison to watch head football coach Paul Christ. They're there to watch the athletes, and I think the athletes should get a piece of the action. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, Super 70s Sports at Super 70s Sports. Take away all of Hank Aaron's home runs, and he still has more career hits than Wade Boggs. Think about that for a minute. Yeah, you know, and, and here's the thing. Here's a guy, Hank Aaron, 755 career home runs. He is the all-time baseball leader in home runs, regardless of what that pill-popping moron says that used to wear a San Francisco Giants uniform. Hank Aaron, 755 home runs, well over 3,000 hits, and here's the thing. A career 325 betting average, and that is impressive. When a guy hits for power and average and just the things that the things that Hank Aaron went through the year of 1973 when he was going and getting closer to Babe Ruth's all-time home run record of 714 and the death threats and all the crap that he went through. Uh, and, of course, it's exacerbated because he's down in the deep south at this time. He's playing for the Atlanta Braves. And, uh, you know, there are a bunch of hillbillies down there in Atlanta at the time that didn't quite understand uh, about what was going on. And uh, it's just a tribute to Hank Aaron that he was able to live through that soldier on through all that crap and do the things that he did. And, you know, it's a sad thing. It really is. I, I, I can't. People always talk about some of the greatest baseball players that have ever played, and you always hear the same names. You hear Willie Mays, and you hear Joe DiMaggio, and you hear Mickey Mantle, and you hear uh, Stan Musial, and you hear yada, 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 yada. Well, I think part of the problem for Hank Aaron was simply this. He played in a very small market, even smaller than it is today in regard to Milwaukee. There wasn't obviously the television and, and radio exposure that there is today, but people are always going to look down a little bit on Hank Aaron, I think, because he only won one championship. He won the 57 World Series as a starting and the star right fielder of the Milwaukee Braves. They made the World Series again in 58, but lost to the Yankees. And because he only won one World Series championship, does that make him a worse baseball player? Hell no. But it's perception. And at that time, you only had, what, 16 teams or whatever the hell it was, and most of them were winning in New York, whether it was the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Giants or whatever it was. And because, uh, I think, because the Braves only won the one championship in 57, I think that ultimately really hurt uh, uh, Hank Aaron. Okay, well, here's a gross one. So uh, this is Old Social Posts. Tim Tebow that, got naked? Uh, no, I hope not. But uh, at Old Social Posts. Uh, so I, I I assume this is accurate, but they've taken a screenshot of an old Jim Ursay tweet at Jim Ursay from December 22nd, 2010. I know it's a sin, but I have a crush on Sarah Palin's feet. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring up Sarah Palin. I heard Sarah Palin is getting divorced. Whoa, really? And you know, it was funny. I, I, I saw this thing, Best of Will Ferrell, the other day. Funny as hell. And it was, you know, it, when he was at SNL, he was very popular and, and synonymous with doing the second Bush, George W., the baseball owner. And he was very good at it with makeup and everything. They made him look just like it. And he had the twang and he had the, the whole thing. But it was funny because that was the year that uh, McCain and Sarah Palin were a ticket to win the Republican national nomination to run for president. And they brought in, remember that the Tim, that was his 
that was her husband, but he was kind of a hillbilly and rode snowmobiles. And I mean, they just, it was so damn funny. And, and I, you know what? I don't see how anybody can be a politician in this day and age, man, woman, child, animal, doesn't matter. But when someone comes on in a major national public forum and says, I can see Russia from my backyard. What kind of confidence does that bring as a potential vice presidential presidential candidate of the United States? I can see Russia from my backyard in Alaska. Oh, Jesus. She's cute. Dumb as a fence post. Uh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, she doesn't look bad for her age and five kids and everything, although Tina Fey looked good as her and Lisa Ann really looked good as her and Naylan Palin. But that's, that's true. Whole, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, though. yeah. But uh, I'd rather have her say she can see Russia from her backyard than say that dinosaurs were here 5,000 years ago. So, <laughs> so you know, <laughs> take, <laughs> pick, pick your, your poison. poison. <laughs> exactly. Oh, boy. Okay. I thought you'd appreciate this one here. I got this one for you. Aaron Nagler at Aaron Nagler. Okay. He I, writes for the Packers. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I want Bob Euchre to call at least one drive of a Packers game. Damn right. Um, Bob Euchre is a national treasure, born and bred in Wisconsin, uh, has been the Brewers play-by-play man since the beginning, 1970, from 1970 to the current. Um, I uh, I have a Brewers feed on my computer upstairs just so I can listen to Bob Euchre still do Brewers baseball games. It's an honor. It's a treasure and uh he's 84 years old who knows how long he's going to last but man it would be awesome to hear him call an aaron Rodgers to Devonte adams long touchdown pass i would listen to that and cherish that for the rest of my life if that could happen <laughs> okay oh i just saw this one uh the onion at the onion marlins delay game until their fan shows up <laughs> That's so easy. <laughs> you know, you know what? I I uh, I'm very surprised by this, and I think though that this is probably the connection in regard to the Derek Jeter and Don Mattingly connection as being both former Yankees. I was very surprised today when the announcement came out, or this was Friday, excuse me. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yesterday that the announcement came out that the Marlins were giving Mattingly a two-year contract extension as the manager of the Marlins. I'm surprised on two reasons. A, I'm surprised that the Marlins would do this because they are notoriously cheap. And A, why would Don Mattingly want to keep doing this job? Um, he's a Hall of Famer. I think he could get a job with a lot of different franchises in a lot of different areas, whether it be in the front office or on the baseball operations side. And you know the Marlins aren't going to be good for years. I'm just really surprised that A, they gave him the contract extension, and B, that Mattingly accepted it down there in South Florida. I mean, that's just got to be... When you leave spring training and you know your season's over, that's got to be quite disheartening, I would think. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Well, speaking of seasons being over, by the way, did you see the Miami Dolphins are 10,000 to 1 to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, you know, last week you told me and and that um, Pinnacle yeah. took their game right off. Yeah. You couldn't bet on it. Yeah. Does there come to a point, and I'll ask you, does there come a point where the big books, the big houses in Vegas, and maybe everywhere 
they just take the Miami Dolphins right off the board everywhere. I think the answer to that is we're going to find out. I think so. I think we're going to find I out. I really do. Because these these spreads, like these spreads, everyone thought the Dolphins would suck this year. But I mean, like the spread, the spreads were like 10 to 14 and now yeah. they're over 20. And so now what's going to happen, right? So- Can you imagine if if the Dolphins had to go to New England this week? Can you imagine? I mean, the number was 20, whatever it was last week in South Florida. But put the Dolphins, and it's funny, the Dolphins end their season in Foxborough yeah. against the Patriots. So, um, so the Patriots could have everything sort of, but Belichick never rests his starters, even when game I, I know that, 16 but, is mean, and, meaningless. You know, um, even if Belichick's, and I know he doesn't give up, but this might be the year he may be able to rest some guys that last week because, you know what, the third stringers on New England are going to be better than anything that Miami can put on the field. Well, they'll they'll always have Brady at least play a couple drives oh, sure. minimum, and right there they, they'll win the game right. probably. but I mean, after Brady takes five drives and they score five times and it's 35 nothing at the end of the second quarter, then I think you can start resting some guys. I really Probably. do. Yeah, he, he'll, Belichick will never have them get no act. He wants to keep them to not get rested. And I agree longer. with that. Yeah, I, I like that too. I, I just would hate to see, I would just hate to see, especially like right now, if they don't augment their wide receiver core and Josh Gordon makes it through the whole season without oh, Josh Rosen. Bro, no, Josh Gordon, the wide receiver. Oh, okay. If Josh Gordon, the wide receiver, makes it through the season without incident yeah. and he gets hurt in a meaningless game, mm-hmm. week 16, against a team that you're going to kick the shit out of anyway, I would hate to see that. Mm. That would be just disastrous to me. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't like to you know beat the Dolphins too much, but I did enjoy this. I'm just looking at Onion tweets to end us off here. Uh, overwhelmed Dolphins GM asked players to please use automated email form when making trade requests. <laughs> So you don't have to comment on that if you don't want. No, I do want to comment on this. And I, and I, um, I can see where the players are coming from. I really can. I mean, you are in a competitive business and if you're an athlete at that level, you have always thrived on the competition of the game. That's why you play the game. You know, it's funny. I always find myself listening to Herm, Herm Edwards. And this is the re this is why you play the game. Well, could you see if Herm Edwards was the coach in Miami right now? <laughs> that's, a, that's a sitcom. I would watch that. I'd watch that's that. That's a reality show. That's I a reality watch. show. And I believe that, I don't know what the tallest building is in Miami. I've only been to Miami once to get on a boat. Um, but I don't know what the tallest building is in Miami. It's probably something down there on South Beach. But I think if Herm Edwards was coaching this team, he'd have found that tallest building and jumped off of it already. <laughs> yeah, poor Herm Edwards. Well, he's doing he's doing he's well. doing great at Arizona he's doing State. Great, yeah. Absolutely, cool guy. Cool he's guy. got a top twenty five team that's playing tonight, and uh, they should win tonight uh, down there in Tempe, Arizona. Okay, two quick more onion ones, and then that'll be it. So uh, this one's good. It's got a picture of a of a like a kid in bed, and the parent is consoling the kid. And it just says, parents assure scared child there's no such thing as Skip Bayless. Oh, God. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that as much as I hate Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is the biggest blowhard. You know how I hate Colin Coward. Um, I call him... Bayless is worse. I Well, no, hold on. Yeah. I call him Colin Cowshit, but Bayless is worse. Oh, yeah. Bayless has no... I mean, everything is just hearsay everything he has no facts he doesn't do any research he doesn't go i mean again and i've said this before he's the guy 
in the mid-90s at the height of the powers of the Dallas Cowboys when they were winning their, what, three Super Bowls in four years and first two under Jimmy Johnson, then they missed a year, and then they brought in Barry Switzer. They won three out of four. At the height of their powers, uh, he's working at the Dallas Morning News as a beat writer for the Cowboys. And I remember this because I'm in the radio business, and obviously they're the hot topic, so you want to get as many... You know, you want to go where the story is hot. And Dallas was always hot with stories because of Aikman, Smith, Irvin, Jimmy Johnson, Jerry Jones. They're always in the news. And Skip Bayless came out with the proclamation that Troy Aikman was gay. <laughs> I think to this day, 25 years later, I believe to this day there should have been a slander suit against against Bayless. Because how do you... How do you do that? How do you say that without fact? And Troy Aikman is has has two daughters. Um, he's been married at least twice. We know so he's we single know, now, right? Well, yeah. but we also know from Unscripted going through a Freeform Friday yeah. that he was mistakenly sent out a tweet <laughs> that he thought he was sending to one girl, but he sent to the world. He was looking for a date. Mm-hmm. Troy Aikman is not gay. If you think Troy Aikman is gay then you must have been shocked when it came out that Rock Hudson was gay years ago. It still shocks the shit out of me that that Rock Hudson... I grew up watching Rock Hudson, and I thought Rock Hudson was the epitome of being a man. Six foot five, muscles all over, girls all wanted him. And then he comes out, and I read his his biography, and they, he's always telling his... his uh, everybody's got a guy. He's telling his guy, I need a boy. I need a boy. Still, to this day, obviously, is a harrowing experience for me. But Troy Aikman is not gay, folks. Um, maybe a little kinky, maybe a little weird. I don't know. But um, I just think, getting back to Skip Bayless, again, a non-athlete that's got a big voice and a lot of hot air and mostly made up 96% of bullshit. Well, Coward seems like a real person who just talks out of his ass. Skip Bayless seems like some sort of... Ro- shitty robot that someone made doesn't even feel like a real person skip bayless to me and i've interviewed him he was one of the few guys and i'm being honest when i say this he was one of the few guys that i cut the interview off i just said i'd had enough now thankfully it wasn't live it was taped it was uh, wasn't in studio we, we were in a side studio doing it to tape it to do it later to put it on air i cut it off i said skip that's enough i've had enough he's just full of shit or... he, I, everything about skip bayless is Skip Bayless. Yeah. He just, you ask him a question and he, and he, and he returns it back to him. What do you think? I remember asking him a question. Um, what do you think about the Cowboys? They had an upcoming game against, I don't even remember. I just, but, and, and I, and I just, I was asking for specifics as to which players are going to play a specific role and how are they going to do this? You know, something like to that. And Skip Bayless comes back and says, well, um, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But the most important thing is I'm going to be there covering the game. Did I ask you that? <laughs> do I care? I don't care. I really don't. And I got through a couple questions with him, Chris, and it just become became monotonous and silly. And I just said, thank you, Skip. I've had enough. Have a great day. And I hung up on him. I wow. just, I couldn't do it. And I remember uh, weeks later getting a phone call from his people because I used to get a lot of phone calls from people because we're national radio. People want to get the word out. Mike, can you give my guy five minutes? Can you give my guy 10 minutes? I said, call my producer, call them. And they'll set it up. If I wanted them on the show, if I didn't want them on the show, 
if I, you know, remember at that time we didn't have cell phones, so you couldn't see, you know, who's calling. I can see on the phone, it's Chris Flukel. I'm going to take this. But if I had had a phone at that time that says Skip Bayless, forget it. (laughs) Okay, last tweet uh, from The Onion. NFL preemptively adds whatever bullshit Gronk hawking to ban substance list. And uh, I, I really enjoyed making fun of him last week, for sure. Yeah, I did. I, I um, Again, I was listening to our episodes last week, and I, I that statement that he made that I've, I've cured my CTE, um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I'm still adamant. I think that he is going to reappear this year at some point in, at some point in time. And I think he has to because... I really and like you say, he's not going to get the big movie role that maybe he thought he was going to get. He's not going to be able to do a lot of things. And then obviously, when people see him say, "Oh, I I cured CTD. I did it myself," <laughs> he is not going to make he is not going to make a significant contribution to society in any other field except football. The, the the test for if somebody has CTE should be: Does the person think they've cured their CTE? Right. Right, so, and then go. and then you answer yeah, your own yeah, question. There you go. No, yeah. we've got to run on this 395th episode of Unscripted. Another great week of shows. I thank everybody. I thank Chris for coming out here to the Southwest today. I appreciate it very much, and uh, hope that you all enjoyed it. Um, I know I did, and uh, I again I sincerely hope that you uh, continue to support us here at Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.